a couple of things just before I come to the, to the Word of God and just encourage you to open your hearts to him. Firstly, just to say that uh, Fran Hunt, who is now Fran Bowser, was uh, part of our church for several years. Uh, numbers of our young people uh, connected with her and uh, they're uh, away this weekend. But Fran got married yesterday to a fine young man in York, Stephen. He's the most unlikely builder I've ever come across because he, he's got a real sort of fresh baby face, but that's what he does for a living. And uh, Fran sort of uh, had to negotiate some real challenging issues in her life. Hannah Skelhorn has just got a great pastoral heart, was very influential in helping her. Anna was matron of honor yesterday, which was great. And uh, they got married at St. Michael the Balfour Church, which those of you that know is right in the heart of the city of York, opposite the Minster. And uh, it was and still is uh, a very significant Anglican church in terms of the pouring out of the Spirit. Uh, some of the older Christians amongst us will remember the late, great David Watson, and he was the vicar of that church for many years. And they're still passionate about seeing God come and, uh, and move. So it was great to uh, be there, and uh, they had a wonderful service, and it was my privilege to um, give the, the word. I, I knew I was within Anglican friends when they came up and said, oh, thanks so much for the talk. Um, and uh, so... Uh, I don't do talks, um, but, 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 you know, but um, anyway, it was just a great day. And uh, Stephen and Fran send their love back to the church as well. And also, I just thought I'd encourage you, on, on the week when Travel Lodger sort of stopped putting Bibles in their uh, rooms, you may have read about it, because uh, they don't want to f- offend other people, you know. Um, just to say that the word of God is forever going out. And I'll make reference to this in the message earlier, but when I was on holiday a few weeks ago, I went one Sunday morning to a church of a different tradition, which I like to do occasionally. And as I walked in, the welcome was to give me this commemorative St. John's Gospel, because the service was celebrating the beginning of the the Great War, 1914-18 war. And uh, it was a very well-crafted service. And this was the welcome gift to everybody that went. And uh, what happened was, 100 years ago, uh, Scripture Gift Mission, which is now called Life Words, gave one of these to every soldier that went to the battlefield. And uh, some of you may have seen a, a great story, even this week, I think it was on, on uh, Twitter and on uh, other uh, social media networks, of a guy that was shot by a stray bullet. And uh, the bullet was deflected from his heart by his New Testament. It was just sort of there. It was incredible. Uh, and so just to say, to commemorate that, uh, Scripture Gift Mission, I can't call them life words, it's SGM, but Scripture Gift Mission this year have printed 120,000 copies of that uh, commemorative St. John's Gospel, and they had to do a rerun. There was such a rush on it. So I just sort of say, the word of God's always going out to people. And uh, I, uh, I read a piece uh, by a, a social commentator the other weekend that says that people's faith was he, he used a stronger word by the war. Maybe it was, but the other side of that is that many people found faith and found God in the midst of desperate times. So I just encourage you to keep believing for the word of God to go out. And when you hear sometimes negative press, uh, but really continue to believe that the word will continue to impact people in the name of Jesus. Now, next week, Christian will finish off this little summer series that's been entitled Questions and Answers. And... Uh, Uh, Four weeks ago, we started with the question, why? And through uh, the brilliant medium of video, we used Bill Eibles that has recently crafted a message entitled that. And uh, they were so gracious in terms of how they responded to us. 
It's not something we'd want to be doing all the time, but I think most of us found that that was a great message that spoke into the why. And then we had Hank doing an interview with me, answering the question, if. And he talked very openly and candidly about some of his journey and some of his issues and some of his trials. And then he came to faith. And uh, I think perhaps what I loved about that day is that for many people, it helped them to appreciate even more the guy in the car park, you know, and just his story and how he sows into the church. And then last week, we used that wonderful presentation through the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And what I was answering the question, what? What I was impacted about was that, was that they absolutely not moved from the message that God is love, we're separated from him, and we need a savior. But those contemporary, up-to-date stories of the guy that came out of gangsterism, and also the lady had got all those issues that has uh, developed into a great singer and worship leader, were just brilliant in terms of bringing that right up to date. Seeking to answer the question, what? And it's my uh, privilege this morning and task over the next few minutes to seek to answer the question, how? I want to give you a Bible verse. It's John chapter 8 and verse 58. Um, and it may not seem initially to have any application to answering the question, how? But I think where I'm going to go with this this morning, friends, is that ultimately all of our questions, including the hows that sit over our life, are answered in Jesus Christ. So John 8, 58, Jesus had been talking with the religious people of the day. They'd been arguing with him. They'd been denying some of the things that he'd said. In fact, they'd even used very inappropriate words over him, like that he was a blasphemer and that he was possessed of evil spirits. But he said, I'm none of those things. And very boldly, he says in verse 58, truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. I'll come back to that in a moment. Before Abraham was born, I am. What is a definition of how? Well, it speaks about the, a manner of doing things or by what means. And it also asks the questions of to what extent or degree things take place. And as I was preparing this message, I, I had some sort of rambling thoughts about how. And uh, whilst I was on holiday, I was thinking through the TV channels and I came to the kids' programs. thought, well, it's a long time since I've been here. You know, what is it, CCTV or what, whatever? Is it that? Well, and... You see, there we go. It's all right, we're coming back to the telly in a bit. But, uh, but I thought about, can you remember that kids' program? How? Yeah, you see, you've got to be old like me to remember it. But you remember the kids' it was a It was a program in the 60s, 70s and 80s. It was created by Jack Hargreaves, who seemed about 193 when he was, when he was alive. You know, but, and there was Fred Dynage and Bunty James. And they were on ITV, and they'd greet the kids with the stereotypical uh, American Indian uh, greeting of, oh. And it, I mean, nowadays, if you go on YouTube, I mean, it looks so old. Uh, you know, they had sticky, t- I mean, it was Blue Peter minus 10, you know, but, but nothing was as good as Blue Peter, was it? And I've got people in the room this morning who don't even know what Blue Peter is. It shaped our lives forever. But how? And it basically sought to answer questions on science and general knowledge and other things. And then I thought about parents raising up kids. Remember when you've been talking to your kids, particularly when they're younger. And uh, they sort of say, Dad, how? And ask something. And you feel that you've given a really coherent, 
credible answer. And they immediately greet it with, yeah, but how? Yeah, I think this could be a long afternoon, you know. And then I realized that there are hows that are still beyond me. How is it that I can pen an email to friends in Australia, 12, 13,000 miles away, and literally within minutes have a reply? I once met one of our ministers that explained to me how a computer works. Poor, talk about needing healing for a migraine when I finish, but he, he literally understands the intricacies of it all. I don't, it's beyond me. And then how is it that a voice in your car can connect you to the sky and get you from where you are to your destination sometimes? <laughs> You saw the lorry stuck down that narrow lane in the press this week because the lorry driver had slavishly followed sat-nav. And then, of course, there's the how of why is it that my socks always come to a place of divorce every time they enter the washing machine? How? This is absolutely true. I wear black socks almost all the time. And Shem, we was at Emda, and Shem says, why don't you get some different colored socks? You're boring, you know. You can, have, you can have those sorts of conversations after 35 years, you know. So I got some purple ones. Yeah. Some, there were four different colors. It is absolutely true that two of those colors I have never more worn more than once. They have never come back to the sock drawer. I don't know where they've gone. Now, of course, there's far greater house for us to confront, and some of us, some of them affect us forever. This church is involved in the eternity business. And whilst you can feel the joy and laughter around, we take things very seriously. The things in how we respond to God, friends, literally affect us forever. And we live in a questioning world. I'm not sure the world always wants the answers to the questions that they're asking. And there is no doubt that many, many people, people around us, people on our doorstep are looking in the wrong places. Great to see David and Jeanette with us this morning. And in David's world, he'll tell you, we're not just talking about people, friends, that are jobless. We're talking about executives, people with successful businesses. He'll tell you how they look for the answers, the hows in all the wrong places and get themselves into a right mess. And David's doing a great ministry over the years trying to help those people. The problem's not new. Let me just read you a description of the city of Colossae in the New Testament. There was a book written called Colossians. It's right there, four chapters, a great little book there in the New Testament. And it was written to a city of Colossae. It was a place that Paul never visited. Epaphras led the church, but he had a passion to help these people. Here's a commentator's description of that place 2,000 years ago. He said the prevailing mood of the city was one of materialism and fatalism, moral laxity and intellectual muddle. They led, it led to ceremony of religion but no impact on daily life, a lack of personal dimension of faith, a sense of spiritual rootlessness and despair, a concentration on the material as the key to happiness. Looking for answers outside of Jesus Christ led to demon, demonology, astrology, magic, and associated worship of religious gods. Fast forward 
to the UK in the 21st century and indeed across the globe where many people are looking for the answers in all the wrong things. Last year in, in this industry, in this country, friends, in the UK, £60 million pounds was spent on candles. Now, it may be just to give you light, but I think for some people, oh, yeah, I love it when I... Well, you know, it's not about a candle, friends, it's about Jesus. And the reality of this society and these gentlemen at the front that have done lots of study in these areas would be far better at talking to than me. But the reality is of this postmodern, post-postmodern society is that sometimes the only thing that people are certain about is that they're certain about nothing. Loss of confusion. How? So how can I know that God loves me? How can I know that he's got a plan for my life? How can I be sure that I'm in a relationship with the Lord? These questions are continually pushed out there. And this morning, friends, just in the encouragement of the word, I want us freshly to be impacted to see that the answer to the hows that sit over our life are answered in Jesus, but also to take that assurance to other people. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ. That's important. Put Christ first as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, the how, for the hope that is in your life. But do this with gentleness and respect. The old butcher shop used to say purveyors of fine meats. And I believe, friends, that the Christian church need to be purveyors of hope. We carry something. It's like people in your works canteen, people in your hospital world, people in your office, people in the factory, whatever your world is, that Sunday sets us up to mission to, come to you and say, how is it that you seem to have a peace in your life when all those things are going off? How is it that you've got a joy? They come to you and with gentleness and respect, you begin to give the how back to them. And it's no more complicated than sharing your story. The power of a story is incredible. This is what I was. This is what I am. And in the middle, I met God in Christ Jesus. And he made all of the difference. So back to the text. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus very deliberately, friends, intentionally, and if you read the context, particularly so, was affirming and alluding to his eternity and his divinity. He wasn't just a man, he was God. He always has been and he always will be. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. As we read in Colossians this morning, he holds all the worlds in his hands and all things come together through him. And so when people were making these inappropriate observations about him, he didn't push back and say, oh, better not say it. He came right back at them. They were making him comparisons between him and Abraham. And before Abraham was, I am. These people would have known the Old Testament, the Torah well. They'd have known that in Exodus chapter 3, God reveals himself to Moses and says, I am who I am. It was a claim to be God. And Jesus identified with it. I say that because back to the service that I went to on my holidays, the preacher was preaching. I'm sat there thinking, it could do with a bit more passion. you know. But it was a, a bit of a different tradition to us. He didn't preach, he gave a talk. And... Uh, no, I am being naughty, you know. 
But the reality is he was a devoted Christ follower. He loved God. And he communicated something. And he touched my heart. And I'm thankful for that. And he said this about halfway through his message. He said, it's all about Christ. It's all in Christ. And it's all through Christ. And it is. It is. As the band led us this morning in that heartfelt worship, I deliberately read from Colossians 1 because I'd written it down in my notes and I'm not going to read it again. But it reminds us that everything holds together in Jesus. Not only in terms of the universe, but in terms of your life. Everything holds together in Jesus. And without apology this morning, friends, the really important hows that sit over our life can only begin to make sense and be answered when we pursue a purposeful relationship with Jesus Christ. So in the last few minutes of the message, let me try and answer three hows for you. Firstly this morning, how can I know Christ? You may be in church, you may be on a journey, you may have been a few times, it may be your first time. You may be intrigued, inquisitive, questioning, loads of questions. By the way, don't let the questions stop you beginning that journey because you can get some answers on the way as well. But it may be this morning saying, Phil, I'm a loser. I'm a sinner. I heard that video last week. Whoa. I've wasted my life. Can God really be interested in me? I'm so ordinary. Maybe you've never asked that question because you've never come to a place of realizing that you need him. But this morning, God's speaking. He's stirring something in your heart. Let me just say, again, the obvious thing, but I want to repeat it. Every one of us here this morning has missed the mark regarding the glory of God. The Bible calls it sin. And that word literally means to miss the mark. In ancient times, when people would engage in archery competitions, they would pull back the bow. And if they missed the target, the judge would say they had sinned. S-Y-N-N-E-D. Old English. Miss the mark. That's what it means. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need a saviour. And the good news is that the Bible says that God is not willing that any of us should perish. But we should all come to a place of knowing the Lord. So how can we know him? Well, in our own strength, it's absolutely impossible. But in Romans, for instance, we get a little insight into how God works. He says, since we've been justified, I'll try and explain that word in a moment. But really what it does, it affects our standing before God. Just as we've been justified before God, it's perhaps a little cliched in terms of of explaining it, but in, in essence, it really does mean it's just as if I stand before God faultless. Justification. It wipes the slate clean. It brings us into an appropriate standing before the Lord. It goes on to say, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, well, that's impossible. But then he goes on to say, because it's by his grace. What is grace? It's given us something we don't deserve unmerited, undeserved favor. The Christian message really is good news. It's not about what we can pay him. It's being told that he's paid it for 
us. We step into that. If you go on to read Romans chapter 5 and the first 11 verses, you'll find that not only are we justified a right standing before God, not only because we've received grace, but we have peace. We have access to the Father. We have hope. We have love. We are saved from the wrath of God and we have reconciliation. We are joined back to the Lord. Now let me take you back to a week last Monday night. I was in the other room just finishing off some things. And at 10 to 10, I walked into the other, we've got two small rooms, walked in the other room. Shepherd says, shh. <laughs> and guys, you know when we get that sort of shh, it means bought it. Because long lost family was on. Nikki and Davina. And I'm sort of, I can't be down with this. And then I'm drawn in. She was like, I don't want to talk. It's the end of the program. And so I begin to watch it. A dentist. Now, sort of, it's a little bit older than me in Perth, Western Australia. So the story rolls out. Estranged from his daughter, 46 years. And through the media, we know it's all pumped up for telly and all of that. But reconciliation, sobbing on each other's shoulders. Apart, joined together. 10 o'clock came. I could talk. <laughs> Reconciliation's a good thing. It's a good thing. It may be around this room, there's some relationships, maybe through no fault of your own, that are a bit there. I've got one or two of my family friends. I don't think they're any fault of my own. I don't know how I can put them back together, but they're there. And I pray for the day when they'll come there again. And that's how it was with God. God's there, perfect, holy. We're here. How on earth is there going to be reconciliation the widest gap in relationships that's ever been in the world is between a holy God and a fallen human race and it was bridged in Jesus Christ how can I know Christ by simply coming to him and saying Lord I realize I've messed it up I've got it wrong I realize that I've wasted my life at times but I want you to change me and I want you to become my Lord and my Savior. And something happens. And all over this room, people have prayed that prayer. Sometimes 40, 50 years ago. And God has always been faithful. I said to Christian a few weeks ago, Christian, I said, it's not a new revelation. But I just was overwhelmed again with the fact that God is always at work. And God is always breaking into people's lives. Now, the implications of that for us as church means that every week, we have to be on it. Because it may be just this week in the purposes of eternity that God's spoken to somebody. Can you remember Lindsay's story at baptism? She's across at Aldi. So I'm if I go to that church, I'll go there, welcome. And she got one. And now we see her flowering and blossoming and her face and doing mission. Fantastic. So we have to be ready, friends, because God is always breaking in. Some of those prayers we've prayed, Paul and Liz, some of those prophetic prayers you've prayed over Mansfield, God is always at work and ready to break in. And when's it going to be? We don't know. But God's at work. When people lie on their bed on Saturday night, say, there's got to be something more than this. God, help me. 
He's just about to come and do it. How can I know Christ? You can know him because he's made the way, pay the price, and draws you to himself. Briefly, how can I be like Christ? I'm going to move on very briefly, but if you'll read John 15, 9 to 17, you'll find an insight into how you can be like Christ. So now you're a Christian believer, but sometimes you don't feel very Christian. Anybody felt like that this week? But there in John chapter 15, we get an insight that if there'll be a remaining, an abiding, and an obeying in our lives, we will bear forth much fruit. Make no mistake, God wants us to go on a journey of becoming more like him. But notice, justification is the status. We're accepted. There's nothing we can add to that. It's as if we'd never sinned. But now another long word, sanctification, is the process. That takes a lifetime. We become more like him. And in 1 Timothy 4.15, Paul says to Timothy, be an example to everyone so that they may see your progress. Arena Ilkeston, notice that process does mean progress. I've come across Christians and said, I've always had a bad temper. People just have to get over it. No, God wants to increasingly diminish your bad-temperedness so that you can become long-tempered. There's a process that works itself out in progress to become more and more like him. It's a lifetime journey. It's not in our own strength. It's not turning over New Year's leaves and resolutions. It's abiding and remaining and drawing on the life source of Jesus implementing what he's called us to do and the inevitability is that you will become more like him and I tell you friends the more arena church becomes like Jesus I tell you the more it will draw people to who he is Kevin DeYoung a book I read on holiday was uh, entitled the book was entitled hole in your holiness and you'd have to take the meat and maybe pick out one or two of the bones but a good book And Kevin DeYoung says, extraordinary holiness comes through ordinary means. And then he describes four. The ordinary means, ordinary in inverted commas, of prayer. The ordinary means of the word of God to our lives regularly. The ordinary means of doing church and belonging to a local church. And interestingly, the ordinary means of breaking the bread. And the point being made, friends, is that these are all means of grace. Where God comes to touch us and to minister to us and help us to become more like him. And thirdly and briefly, how can I be used by Christ? Me, you, used by Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. By committing to be part of the great vehicle that sits center stage of his eternal purpose. It's called the church. A lot of people around the world, friends, back in the church, but Jesus said he loves the church and gave himself for it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's an unconditional, irrevocable promise. The word of God says that his intent was now through the church, the many varied colors of God's wisdom will be declared according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Kevin DeYoung says again, I have never met anyone that is more healthier, active, 
or mature by being apart from the church. Don't take time outs, friends. Don't lose the joy of coming together as the church of Jesus Christ. Can God use you? I say this with all humility. Friends, if he can use me, he can use anybody. I'm from a council state in Nottingham. There's no earthly reason why I should have the privilege of ministering this morning and leading the church and preaching the word. But I just came to a place in my life saying, God, whatever, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put you first. Jesus, you're the center of my life. And when you do that, it's amazing what God can do. You know, sometimes when I have the joy of going out preaching, I always talk about the arena journey. I'll get some preaching. We've got Phil Pye with us this morning. He's the central area leader. Get ready, get ready, get ready. No, he didn't do that, you know, but... Could people think, oh, this bloke walks two foot off the ground? You know, he's got a perfect family, never argues with his wife, you know. And then I just let him into my world. So if God can use me, he can use anybody. He really can. It's not false humility, friends, it's where I come from. I'm proud of where I came from. I'm proud of the journey that my mum and dad gave me with so little resource. It was incredible. How they raised seven kids, I have no idea. So I don't diminish all of that. But if you can take all the kids at 18, 19 years of age, says, God, whatever it costs, I'll follow you. From a council estate in Nottingham, you can do it for anybody. You can do it for anybody. Being part of his church, connected to other people that would pour into my life so I can pour out to others. That's how he does it. And you know what? I think he really loves the underdog. Because at the end of 1 Corinthians 1, he says, the things that are despised, the things that are not, the things that are not, the things that other people sneer at, they're the people I get hold of. So that when I use them, there's only one person that's going to get the glory. It's him. It's him. And Jesus, friends, is building his church. And he wants to do something through you. It may not be a preacher, it may not be a worship leader, but God's got a jigsaw fit for everybody here to serve in the body of Christ and bring glory to his name. And see this town of Ilkeston and the wider circle around it changed forever. It's not just going to happen through Christian or me, friends. It's through the body of Christ that God has placed in his purpose, ordained purpose in this town and in this M1 corridor and beyond for such a time as this. The church, friends, faces many problems. And we've even seen them on our TV screens in recent days. Poverty, problems, persecution. But Jesus is building his church. A few years ago, I was in Uganda. I had the joy of finishing a long missions trip by being in downtown Kampala on a Sunday morning. And in 1976, that church was virtually extinguished as the reign of Idi Amin sort of caught, caught bites. And... Uh, Nearly everybody had to flee for their lives. There was just a few little old ladies that stayed and began to pray. One of the men that left was a, the man that's now the pastor, Robert Kasaija. He ended up in America. He did a theological study there, grew in his faith, came back to pastor that church. You know that the reign of Amin came to an end and Uganda began to flourish anew. And that church today that was almost extinguished by persecution has planted 220 churches into Uganda. God 
will not be defeated, friends. He will always have the last word. Jesus Christ is building his church. Just on Twitter yesterday, Pastor Dominic Yo, the general superintendent of Singapore churches, leads a church, Trinity Church, of 8,000 people, sits on the advisory council of the World Pentecostal Conference. Dominic reminded us that in the AOG constituency alone, there were six, the 68 million believers. hundred years ago, there weren't any friends. He started with a guy in Azusa Street in Los Angeles that other people derided because of the color of his skin. He says, God can't do anything through this. 68 million people. And the wider Pentecostal charismatic constituency across the earth is 550 million people. Jesus is building his church. I don't know where Dominic got these figures from, but if there's one new believer in AOG coming to faith every 20 seconds, and there's one new church being planted every 52 minutes across the earth. And you and I can be part of it. Before Abraham was, I am. It's all about Christ. It's all in Christ. And it's all through Christ. How? How can I know Christ? Justification. By faith in him. How can I be more like Christ? Sanctification. By abiding in the Lord. How can I be used by Christ? Commission. By simply yielding to his purpose and saying, Lord, if you can get hold of somebody like me, then please use me. The band of letters in a great anthem song over the last few months. And there's a line in it that says, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. It goes on to say, I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. The answer to our hows, our whys. Our ifs, our buts, is ultimately found in one in which there's no name like him and nobody like him. And it's Jesus. Let's pray.